Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Why don't you turn to the neighbour next to you and say, Howdy there, partner. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Going to the Wild West today. I grew up in Penrith. Not that people in Penrith talk like that. But everybody east of us assumes we do. So there you go. Walk around my cowboy hat. I used to wear, you remember when it was cool to wear like a, like a cowboy hat? Like a, it kind of came back in style. Um, I can't bring myself to wear it again. I don't know why. But I remember I visited uh, my old church. They were having a church anniversary. And because um, before Ben and I got into ministry, we, we were musicians. We were full-time musicians. And um, I remember my worship pastor at my old church comes up to me and goes, like, how's your career going? I was like, oh, good. He's like, so you're doing country music? And I was like... Jolene, Jolene, (laughs) why not? All right, well, I am so glad you're here today. If you are new, if you haven't met me before, my name is Anna. Uh, Along with my husband, we are the worship and creative pastors here at Elevation Hills, which is awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, yes. Sing us a song, Anna. Now, I'm here to preach. Is that okay? Yeah, girl, get it. (laughs) So yes, if it is your first time with us, we are in a series called The Powerhouse. You know, we've been exploring the birth of the church in the book of Acts and how their story applies to our story as the church today, as Christians today. You know, in week one, we're, we're currently in week four. Next week, we have Daniel Bates, which is super excited. So make sure you're in the room. Make sure you bring someone with you. It's going to be incredible. He has a gift of healing. He is an evangelist. So don't miss out next week. If you're watching online and you're like, well, I thought next week was today. Turn TV off. Please don't. I've got something to say. (laughs) So in week one, we had Pastor Andrew Staggs, who we love, and he just came in with a sledgehammer to open up this series. And he talked about, you know, um, we are carriers of the presence of God wherever we go. In the second week, my husband Ben, he spoke on how the Holy Spirit is, can be poured out and is for everyone. And then in the third week, we had Pastor Miles and he spoke about how the Holy Spirit makes us bold. And you know what? This is totally a side comment, but I am loving Pastor Miles. There is something on him, what God is doing in his life to just be vulnerable and open and teaching us about how to be authentic Christians. We just honour you, Pastor Miles. And then last week, we had Pastor Isaac and he was amazing. He spoke about, if I could sum it up, how prayer is a core fundamental practice of the church and it is our means of accessing the power of God. And what we have seen over the last few weeks is just people encountering God in a fresh way, in a new way, encountering Jesus. We have seen people be miraculously healed. We have testimonies of breakthrough, of reconciliation in relationships. And this is this is incredible and I hope it doesn't stay limited to this series. I hope it, it just births something in this church. And today I get the very fun topic. If you're watching at home, turn the volume up real loud. The very fun topic of talking about a bunch of delinquents. (coughs) Some people already know the punch. I, a group of people who get it really wrong sometimes. Perhaps, you know, if we're honest, the most frustrating part of being a follower of Jesus. Christians talking about the church. 
All right, so, you know, the book of Acts, which is the the book we've been studying in this series, we're following on from the Gospels. It's kind of like the Gospels part two. And if we look at the Gospels and Acts from a bird's eye view, you'll notice that the disciples, they were not the brightest. They were not the most gifted. They literally walked alongside Jesus and did life with Him for years and they were thick-headed. Jesus would often share a parable or a kingdom truth and, and they would be like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And, you know, even in Acts 1.6, so this is after Jesus has died and rose again, they still approached Him and were like, so Jesus, are we going to, like, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Are we going to, like, smash into the government and take it over like how you promised? And Jesus is like, guys, uh, so much bigger than that. And that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So what we can deduce from studying the Gospels and the book of Acts is not the amazing things the apostles did. They did some amazing things, but it's about the amazing power of Jesus. The book of Acts is how Jesus leads uh, his disciples by the Spirit to go out into the world to invite all people to come to know him. And this is the same example we should follow. And there are two things that have been evident to me as we've been going through this series um, that are paramount to being all that God is calling you to be. The first one is having an encounter with Jesus. And the second one is being filled and continuing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we have Peter who he went from being a Christ denier to speaking publicly like about Jesus and preaching in public. We have Saul. We love talking about Saul. He went from killing Christians to making Christians after an radical encounter with Jesus. And even in the face of persecution, there are stories in the book of Acts of, of the disciples who, who were literally kicked out of cities, but it didn't limit them. They didn't say, oh, well, that's the end of it. In fact, it, they just went somewhere else and continued to preach the gospel. In fact, the fact that we are gathering today is continuing the legacy that they built thousands of years later. And I love that. We are part of such a rich legacy as the church. And if you notice that for the apostles, it wasn't like one key guy. Like it wasn't like one key apostle who was the one that were like, oh, get him to preach because he got all the good words or get him to pray because he's really good at the prayers. It was, it was many. It was multiple. Because they were empowered by one person, that is the person of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this time that we can gather and dive into your word this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray, Lord, that these words that come from my mouth be from your heart. I pray that the word be illuminated today. Would you be glorified as we read your scriptures and study your scriptures? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I do have a lot of scriptures today. I hope you're excited about that. Yes, the Bible. I love that. Love that for us. Okay, we're going to jump into Acts 2, verses uh, 22. We're going to start here. And this is Peter preaching. Remember the Christ denier? Here we go. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, 
This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. I love that. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because Jesus could not be hurled by it. Let's continue in verse 32. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Verse 36, oh, verse 37, sorry. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received His word were baptised and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Here's some key things we can get from this passage. First of all, I'm going to keep mentioning it because this is a miracle unto itself. Peter, the guy who vehemently, violently, another V word, he denied ever knowing Jesus. When Jesus was arrested and they were trialling him, he was hanging out around the scene and they were like, hey, aren't you that guy that hangs out with Jesus? And he was like... No. And that happened three times. Three times he was asked if he knew Jesus. And he was like, I do not know that man. Stop asking me. And Jesus, like, he told Peter, he's like, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter was like, I will never deny you, Lord. There he goes. Three times. Denied him. He denied him. And here we see Peter become a preacher. He is unashamedly preaching the gospel. That is a miracle unto itself. Amazing. What a transformation. The second thing is, if you noticed, if you have your physical Bibles with you or you're reading on your phone, you'll notice I skipped a a bunch of verses uh, just for time's sake. And it's because Peter, he's, he's quoting David the Psalmist because he's speaking to a crowd of Jewish people. So, and they were cut to the heart in verse 37 because Peter just shared with these people how Jesus is the Messiah and fulfilled prophecies in the Old Testament. And they're like, what do we do? So when the people were asking, what do we do? Peter's response is, repent and be baptised in the name of Jesus. And then you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what do we see? We see 3,000 people come to Christ. Now, church, I could end my message right here. This is a good place to end. We just read how the Holy Spirit gave Peter the confidence to unashamedly preach the gospel. We learn about how turning away from sin and turning toward Jesus, it unlocks gifts in your life. We could spend the next 20 minutes asking God for those very same things, unlock those things in my life. It would be awesome. It would be amazing. We would have an incredible time. But we're actually going to keep reading. We're going to jump back in at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, and having favour with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the snapshot of the early church in action. They literally went over the course of a few days, they went from 120 people in the upper room to 3,000 and then continued to grow. You see, the function of the church is to bring glory to God by being a witness to the world, by building each other up, spurring each other on, being a light to the world, by being the hands and feet of Jesus on earth through generosity and good deeds. And the church in Acts, they show us this in two ways. One, gathering in the temple, like how we are today. The temple was the place to build each other up. It was, it was where the... Um, or they come together, oh, I'm reading a scripture, uh, praising God together. They were hearing the word. They were receiving instruction on how to live to become more like Jesus. You know, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. The second thing they did was they were gathering in their homes. They met in homes for community. They shared life together to do communion and break bread together to equip each other. And the result of a gathering church is seeing Jesus' power break out through signs and wonders, healing, lives transformed, lives saved. The Holy Spirit is poured out. It's empowering. The receiving and the outworking of spiritual gifts and so much more. I'm sure we could list so many other things. There is something so significant about the gathered church when their attention is fixed on Jesus and when they are fueled by the Holy Spirit. But are we really required to spend all that time together? Surely, thousands of years later, Okay, we have found a way to streamline church so that, you know, like the hour and a half that we spend together on a Sunday is like action-packed and spirit-filled with everything that we need to have all those benefits of gathering in, in, in like, like a little capsule, right? Surely, surely, surely. Like, do you remember how long it took you to turn on your computer in the 90s? Or even dial up internet, remember that? Oh my goodness. And then if you, like, you accidentally picked up the phone and someone else was on the internet, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> Are we really required? Like, I mean, we advanced internet. Surely we could advance the church somewhere like that. You know, a common argument I hear a lot, and, and an argument maybe if you're honest, some of you use today with the person who brought you to church, is if I am the church, then I don't need to come to church to be the church, you know, if I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> if I carry the presence of God with me wherever I go, then is it necessary for me to be here in this room? 
I get asked this a lot. I have spent many a night laboring over finding a solution for you. And guess what? I found it. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. All the backsliders are like, oh my gosh, she's got it. She's worked it out. Pastor Miles, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I, I found it. I found the answer. I found the, the answer to this question, this argument. You can use this every single time. And this is why the title of my message, if you're if writing notes, it's called, I don't have to go to church. And this is why, here we go. You become an astronaut. Okay, which I looked up, it takes roughly 10 years. And somehow you qualify for a one-man mission to the moon. It might not be the moon, it might be somewhere else, but today we'll say the moon, but it's a one-man mission. That's an incredible, like, feat, okay? You're all over the news. It's amazing. You're world famous. So you fly to the moon on your one-man mission. It is a marvellous success. Earth is cheering you on and you're like, I can't wait to be here to never go to church again. And then you land, but then your ship dies. It falls apart. Turns out it was a one-use only type of ship and you have absolutely no way home. You actually have to live out the rest of your days on the moon. I don't know if there's extraterrestrial life there. Good luck to you. But uh, now, yeah, even Elon Musk, he's too busy dismantling Twitter to come and save you, so you're stuck. You're stuck on the moon that is the only reason, that's the only reason why you don't need to come to church anymore. So the short answer is no. There is no way you can be the church by yourself. You can carry the presence of Christ with you wherever you go. You can, be, uh, you can change atmospheres when you walk into a room because of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You can be a light on a hill, but you cannot be the church by yourself. See, the only reason you are a temple of the Holy Spirit is because Jesus is the new temple. Yes. You know, in John 2, 19 to 21, it's Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. I'm reading the ESV and I know I gave media the NIV. I'm so sorry. The Jews, so the Jewish leaders then said... Excuse me, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're telling me you're going to raise it up in three days? What a joker. <laughs> but what Jesus was talking about was the temple of his body. So when Jesus was crucified, his body was destroyed and as was the need to go to the old temple. And we see that, you know, when he died, the curtain was torn in the temple. And this, this signifying that Jesus has now become the way in which we can approach God, the way that we, we can receive salvation, forgiveness, eternal life. And as a result, we become a part of the new temple. We become a part of God's family. We become a part of the body of Christ. You cannot be the church by yourself because you are part of something so much bigger than yourself. 1 Peter 2.5, it says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Not a holy priest, a holy priesthood 
to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So the thing is, if we are all living stones, like, I'm just, imagine these are people who are like, I'm a temple. A temple? I'll just kick you over there. This doesn't look like much of a house. It just looks like a bunch of wooden bricks tossed across the stage. We're not very effective as a dwelling place for God tossed around like that, are we? No, we're not. Excuse me while I pick these up. See, when we're joined together, When we're knit together, we become a dwelling place for the Lord. Now, I was meant to have real bricks. Oh, God bless ya. <laughs> Thanks, Chin. Thank you, Chin, for admitting that. I didn't have to do it for you. <laughs> so we are being built into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit because of what Jesus has established. If we neglect coming together to be knit together the way that God designed, we're just going to be a pile of bricks. Another common argument I hear about attending church, and this one's my favourite because I've said it before, (laughs) is I just, Callum, you've given it away. I just don't get anything out of it. Or I just don't get anything out of it anymore. Ooh, I love it. (laughs) The problem about these two arguments that I've shared today is they're centered around one person. It's not Jesus. What is it really telling us? It's all about me. We can become so well adjusted to the culture around us and let it confuse us as to why we think the church exists and God's design for it. You know, what I believe to be the problem for Christians who wrestle with not getting anything out of church or not getting anything out of going to church is perhaps they have yet to discover what they can give. Or maybe Christians who who say, I don't just don't get anything out of it anymore, and yet they're involved and they're serving. Well, I want to tell you, maybe you need to readjust and remember why it is that you do what you do. In 1 Corinthians 12, 14 to 20, it says, and I love this, this is comedic genius right here. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? (laughs) If the whole body were an ear, 
where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. There's a lot of truth to that song, the we are one, do you know it? But we are many, sing along. And from all the lands on earth we come. Yeah, Qantas, we share our dream. And sing with one voice. I am. We are Christians. Okay, I'm going to add that to the set list next Sunday. You're welcome. <laughs> all right, but there is something missing from these bricks. Chin, I'm actually going to get you to come and help me. There is something missing. So without, we're all going to visualise these are bricks, right? Yes? Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> so what is missing? If you're building a brick house, what's missing from these bricks? Mortar. That's right. Without mortar, this stack of bricks is simply relying on gravity to stick together. And if I want to be annoying, <laughs> they're a bit ineffective without mortar. So we need mortar. So Chin, if you can just build us a structure here. Amazing, look at that. Look at that mortar. Amazing, amazing. So the mortar represents the Holy Spirit. So at the beginning of Acts, Jesus left the apostles with the power of the Holy Spirit to continue the work that he had begun. And throughout Acts and the rest of the New Testament, we find that it was, wow, it was the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Chin. <laughs> so throughout Acts and the rest of the New Testament, we find that it was the Holy Spirit that the church relied on in every sphere of life. Whether it be praying for healing, having the words to speak in public with boldness to your family, to your friends about Jesus. When it came down to leadership decisions, they asked the Holy Spirit, who do we choose? Who do we elect as, our, as the next leader? You know, Donald Hagner, he's a theologian and he says, 